The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your friends resent your new relationship, relationships that come from cheating, <laughs> and when our boundaries leave us second guessing. Nine times out of 10, I laugh when you read these because of your intonation. I try to bring a level of excitement and enthusiasm. No, I love it. That's what it. makes you a professional. That's right. I'm trying to hook him. <laughs> you guys should see his hand motion right now. He's doing a little pirate hook with his yeah, finger. You gotta hook him. Anyway, before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we're not professionals. No, we are not professionals. We make hooks out of our fingers and, that's right. and try to entice you into listening. That's, yes. that's our level of... We are literally sitting on Sierra's couch with like eight dogs between yes. us. The, we're not professionals and I'm going to call this episode the morning episode <laughs> because Sam and I had a slumber party last night uh -huh. and it is in the morning and I have my morning voice. That's right. And, and it doesn't hurt that we like drank last night. So yeah. I spent a lot of time like yelling at you across the bar over like... <laughs> The Taylor Swift documentary. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, so uh, excuse our morning verses, but this is all to say, please take our advice 
as you see fit. Sam and I are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So welcome to the morning episode. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's definitely new for us. It is. We usually only record in the afternoon or like after work. Yeah. Um, But I like it because I love drinking coffee Mm -hmm. and I also love drinking coffee while talking to you and recording because I feel like a radio, like we would be a great radio host. Mm -hmm. We kind of are. I guess that's what a fucking podcast host is. That's how you explained it to your grandma that one time. Yeah. Well, I was like, it's like a radio program, grandma. <laughs> like, she was like, what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, so I have some exciting personal news. What is it? I have no idea. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been sitting on this for a little while, but I would love to share with my wonderful Just Breakup community, mm-hmm. um, my head and heart workers, that Willow and I are engaged. Ah, yeah, What? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam had, totally had several ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I knew about it before you did. Yeah. Yeah. Willow did a cute little surprise video thing with cameos of everyone I love and and of course Sam was heavily featured. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Wait, so she showed you a video? Where was this? Like, she get down on one knee? What happened? Oh, my God. So <laughs> You're going to have to get good at telling the story. Just I know. <laughs> um, so the story goes, I was at the airport, mm-hmm. where I've spent the most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the airport, and um, I had just been out of town for a while, and she chose to do it on the day I got home because uh, she knew... She, she's t- a terrible liar, mm-hmm. which is a great trait to have in a fiance. <laughs> and she, and I'm also nosy as fuck. Oh, absolutely. So yep. nothing gets by you. No, except it, for like phrases. Yes, <laughs> except for like the English language <laughs> words when I need them. Uh-huh. Um, and so she chose to do it on the day I came home because she would have like the ten days that I was gone for work to like plan and do all the stuff without having me around being like, so what was that? (laughs) Um, And so I was on my way home. I was on my layover and on my layover, I was like sitting, I found an outlet on like a random wall and just put my suitcase down, sat on my suitcase and charged all my, you know, phone and stuff like that. Your normal posture at the airport. (laughs) Exactly. Like a hunched over little airport troll. (laughs) And uh, desperately seeking like battery power. Exactly. Oh my God. That's <laughs> accurate. Uh, and I was also just really eager to get home. I'd been gone for a long time, whatever. And so um, Willow said, do you have your headphones? She texted me that. And I said, yes. And she sent me a video, um, a YouTube video uh, about the story of our relationship from the first time we met when we were children and now. and. Um, it was without giving away any personal details. It was very meaningful and um, filled with beautiful words and photographs from our entire le- le- relationship together. And then it basically said, so meet me in the place where it all started the second time, which is when where she picked me up at the airport for my very first visit to her. Oh, cute. Yeah. And, um, and then it was followed by a bunch of photos from, like I said, my friends and family, basically with 
saying holding signs that said say yes mm-hmm. or things like that. And so at that point, I'm a sobbing airport troll. <laughs> I'm so grateful that I fucking wasn't sitting next to somebody. And I was also so angry at her for sending it to me when I like couldn't hug and kiss her. And I had to wait 10 minutes to board and a whole hour long flight in between knowing that she was going to propose. And then so I had to wait. So I was like, oh, she did it on your layover. I was angry. I was angry at her. <laughs> called her i was like i'm so mad at you that's so funny through tears um and then my flight was delayed oh my god and so but we just like stayed on the phone and like whispered lovingness to each other (laughs) you know like yeah and she did that because she was afraid like i wouldn't see the video if i did it she did it when i first landed anyway but what i really love about the whole thing i'm not done yet but what i love about the the thing is that um, the intro of this proposal story is that the first time I flew to see Willow um, before we started dating again, mm-hmm. um, I was so nervous um, and I was so afraid that I was going to slip into an old version of me, mm-hmm. which is like so desperate for love and um, acceptance that she isn't her authentic self, you know? And so on the way to there being like, Oh my God, I'm going to see Willow from my past who I've dreamt about all these years. I'm so nervous. This very first flight, I wrote myself like a little affirmation on the plane that basically was like, it's okay. This is okay. You both like each other. You both have connected after all these years, but even if it's not, meant to be now you can still be your true self Mm. like like just be calm Sierra like you you are lovable and this person obviously has feelings for you still but it may never be the right time Mm -hmm. like I wrote myself this affirmation to like calm myself and be like you know what you're not that girl anymore um and you're you just have a privilege of seeing her again Mm -hmm. and um that affirmation really put me in a great mindset and i ended up like sharing it with willow a week later when we basically decided to be in a relationship um and so i got to do the same thing you know on that very annoying flight in between the, the proposal video and the proposal i got to like write myself like another affirmation of being like just be present in this love and this opportunity to be like, she's giving you such a big gift. Um, here are all the things I'm so grateful for. And here are all the people that love me in this video. And um, so at first I was mad at her <laughs> <laughs> for sending me the video and making me wait. But uh-huh. then I just loved that. Like I had that forced hour of like, preparing myself to say yes to something very exciting and beautiful. And then I got off the plane and um, I met her. She was going to meet me in the, uh, at the airport gate, but she texted me when I landed and said, I'm running late, which is like the most difficult, uh, will, you know, thing, not willow <laughs> thing. She's very prompt, but like, uh, and then we, I said, that's fine. You know, I, I got off the plane and she was, she, I ended up seeing her car pull up right when I went down like the escalator. I jumped in the car because I just couldn't wait because I was crying and we hugged each other and she asked me over the arm rest <laughs> <laughs> in a car <laughs> and it was, per- she had flowers. It was perfect. Oh, um, and the last thing I will say, the thing that makes it the most perfect is that the reason why Willow was late on one of the most important days 
of her personal, you know, like her, her declaration or whatever, her doing this very brave thing. Um, the reason why she was late is that it was snowing and our neighbor got their car stuck. And on the way to the airport, <laughs> she stopped to help push somebody's car out. Yeah, and right. that is the most quintessential thing of my wonderful <laughs> fiance. So that is my goodness that I want to share with all of you. Um, yeah. That's exciting. It is. Also, you were being nosy. I was being so nosy. Leading up to it and kept being like, why is Willow texting you? Yep. Because I'm a nosy like, bitch. Mind your business. No, 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 no. I, I, I like never thought she would do it on the way on the day I got home from traveling because I'm always like super wiped. Yeah. But now I totally get it. She did it because she could control everything in a way that like <laughs> I won't let happen when I'm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to get into some letters? Yes, but also like congratulations. And I bet everyone listening to this is crying now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. Um, I cannot wait to celebrate with you and have literally half of my wedding party be just breakup people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, I'm so excited to give you all of the advice about wedding planning. Oh my God. You've been so helpful already. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right, let's get into our letters. All right, let's do it. Our first letter comes from law school gal who is writing from the void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm a new listener, but I already am in love with your podcast. You are both so kind and empathetic, but also tell how it is, really. When I started listening, I knew that this was the place for me to come with this issue I'm currently dealing with in my life. I am 23 years old and a second year law student. I started law school in 2018 in a new town where I knew no one. I've always been the type of girl to have close female friendships, and I make friends quickly. So it is no surprise I bonded very quickly with a girl, let's call her Gemma, at school right away. We quickly became very close and were inseparable. There were a number of things that bonded us together, like the fact that we were taking the same classes and studied together often, but we also have very similar senses of humor, and we both love to party and drink. We had a lot of fun going out together on weekends, hooking up with guys, and generally bonding over the chaos of our lives. We both were coming from a point in our lives where we had just ended relationships. She had ended a five-year relationship and I had just gotten out of a toxic one-year situationship. And we were in, in we were in interesting mental states, entering a, quote, hoe phase together. <laughs> Sierra and I have had many of those together. <laughs> yeah. it's just a, never mind. I'm not going to make a joke. I always called them slut spirals, though. <laughs> Along with two other close friendships we built, our group mostly bonded over crazy experiences and being chaotic. We both tended to gravitate towards toxic men, but knew the morning after we could rely on each other. Fast forward through some things, and this past summer brought me a boyfriend. For someone who had been single since high school, this was a new experience for me. And the fact that I am dating a kind, smart, caring, responsible, silly, amazing man who's also a law student... and who makes me feel heard and genuinely wants to spend time with me is beyond me. This did not bode well for me and this girl's friendship, though. The distance started almost immediately. Gemma and I were living together this year along with another friend, and I soon realized how hard it would be to balance everything. My boyfriend and I are very serious, and we tend to spend quite a bit of time together. Admittedly, I often prioritize staying at his house over sleeping at mine with my roommates and thought I was doing my best. In September, they approached me about this and said they missed having me around as much. I expressed that I saw where they were coming from and appreciated that they cared about my friendship enough to talk with me about it, and I said, although I thought I was balancing everything all right, I will try harder." 
In my own respects, I did try harder. I often tried to plan things like dinner at our apartment together, going to the movies or going out together. Yet the distance continued to grow. They were unreceptive to me planning things because they didn't see why they should have to plan with me since I was their roommate. They believed I should just be there at the apartment for spontaneous plans. They expressed this to me in November and I replied that I needed some kind of compromise and planning to balance everything in my life. I explained that when they were unresponsive to my efforts, I felt ostracized and awkward and didn't want to spend time at the apartment. We ended the conversation on a good note, but they were again unresponsive to my efforts because they still wanted me to be there organically at the apartment and didn't want to plan things to see me. To make matters worse, they were very resentful when talking to me, being very nasty when I felt like I've done nothing to make them this angry. There were other factors at play. Gemma and our other roommate have really bonded closely during the scenario. I totally understand they had to do what they had to do while I was living my life with my boyfriend. But Gemma and our roommate bond over the fact that they are both having sex with men who have girlfriends. They routinely seek out men with girlfriends to pursue. While their personal lives have no effect on me, I have trouble outwardly supporting them and listening to their stories because I have empathy for the girlfriend in the situation. Additionally, now that I have space for, from them, I see how toxic their choices are. Gemma has been having an affair with a guy in a relationship for over a year, and I see how those choices affect them and in turn seep into my own life. I have a hard time rationalizing to my boyfriend why I hang out with these girls who make these decisions. Because of their lifestyle, they are currently have an I hate men mentality, so they don't seem to care or ask about my happy relationship. They have no interest in spending time with my boyfriend. I feel like I I can't share a huge part of my life with them, so I have nothing to talk about or relate to. The friendship has continued to dwindle to the point where I have now been kicked out of the group chats and we no longer talk. I spend the majority of my time at my boyfriend's apartment because I feel too uncomfortable at my own home. I still feel very guilty for the demise of these close friendships, though. Although I listed so many reasons why the friendships are not worthwhile, I still miss laughing and hanging out with them. I also hate the narrative they probably designated to me Mm. that I'm the girl who ditched her friends for a boy. But this doesn't feel true to me at all. It felt like because I couldn't be friends with them in the capacity that they wanted, I couldn't be friends with them at all. I also feel like the friendships were not translating in the growth I wanted to make personally. Hmm. It feels like they are not interested in the new mentally healthy me and a committed relationship. And I can't relate anymore to the things that they do. It makes me wonder how deep the friendships really were or were they just based on partying? Do you have any insight into this situation? I feel so guilty and hate being the girl that's with her boyfriend. I have very close friendships from home and from college, but no longer have female friends at law school with me because of this situation. Gemma's especially angry with me, and I know she feels like I got a boyfriend and neglected her. Should I continue to beat myself up, or should I accept that as a part of life, friendships come and go? Mm. Open to hearing whatever you guys have to say. All right, law school gal. This is uh, a pickle Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i also think that uh a lot of people are going to relate to this question uh from both sides probably right uh, absolutely um yeah i want to talk about like resentment in french friend groups Mm -hmm. and also the dynamic of single to 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 relationships and how that like pendulum swing can Mm -hmm. affect friend groups yep but first, I just want to say the like the hardest, most like disgusting thing to swallow that I get from this letter is we have absolutely no control over other people's narratives of us. Yep. That and that is what makes it so hard when we have nasty breakups, 
it's so hard when we have like rumors or gossip or, or when somebody just doesn't like us, Mm -hmm. um, it like eats away at us because we want to be like, well, I'm sure if I do all these hundred nice things or, or, or whatever, like their understanding of me, it's just not true. It's not real. And it drives us mad. Um, but a big thing that I've had to like come to terms with as a people pleaser is that I can't get everybody to like me. Mm number one and number two it doesn't often it doesn't matter what i do people are going to write their own narratives about me Mm -hmm. um that i can't control um and that's hard it is for sure (laughs) there are people in this world that don't like both of us yeah you can read the one star reviews if you want to (laughs) there's only like three right now so knock on wood um okay so uh friend friend groups Getting like, like harboring resentment. What are uh-huh. you laughing at? <laughs> There's, I got like a little sticker on my finger and I couldn't get it <laughs> off. <laughs> not professionals. Um, <laughs> I, so I think that something that's not really spoken about a lot is resentment that can harbor in friend groups based on like relationships or, or success. Yeah. Like if your friend gets the, like a job and a pay raise that makes you feel like insecure or like, damn, mm. I want to make that much money. Mm-hmm. That's like such a real thing. Um, do you, have you ever experienced that or... Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there have been many times in my friendships with people where they've started dating someone and then just like disappeared. Absolutely. Um, and that's really hard because it it changes the relationship that you thought that you had that with that person yeah. and makes it more difficult to organically hang out, which I think yeah. is like, I think that your, your friends might be asking too much to want that to happen all the time. Yes. But it is, I can understand why they would be upset that that organic hangout session can't happen as much anymore right because that's that's sort of what the relationship was based on and now those dynamics have changed yeah i feel like they the friend group has a right to feel um like they have a right to to emotionally respond to this change to Mm -hmm. like feel bummed i i'm not sure if i feel like they have a right to like be a dick (laughs) you know like um their their emotions are okay you know like their their sadness about Yep. A friend group changing is okay, but to act on that sadness is kind of, um, it's where that head and heart work comes in. It's like, well, how do, how do I want to behave here? You know, mm-hmm. what, what are my true values? And if you stopped and thought about it, like we want our friends to be happy, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also think it's hard when, when the, the relationship statuses, stat I <laughs> change, <laughs> in the actual friend group because then it's like oh well then all of a sudden if you're the single person are you being judged for being single Mm -hmm. um are you uh, i remember getting into relationships and feeling so self-conscious that like i would have the audacity to like be in a relationship and not um be single and fun and i i i I feel i feel like i relate to every person in this story (laughs) You know, including the boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think um, it seems to me a little bit like maybe Gemma and this roommate are bonding together in their shared dislike of you. <laughs> and we talked about that just like a couple episodes yeah. ago where like you create a social dynamic through pitting, putting someone else's down. Mm-hmm. And that's like a safe way to interact instead of like actual intimacy, for you sure. know, or yep. vulnerability. Yep. Uh I think that's totally happening. Yeah. 
Um, Which like doesn't make it any easier for you. (laughs) Yeah. But might make it easier to understand why they are, why they are acting so angry towards you. Right. And it's because it could be because they are, they are bonding in their shared anger of you. And that is how they are maintaining their friendship. So I feel like we've talked about how to understand the different points of view in here, but I want to get back to law school gal and like maybe make you feel a little bit better about this transition because it's obvious to me and Sam that like um, these are friendships that might have mattered more or like felt more genuine at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now they're, they're evolving, they're changing and it's up to you law school gal to kind of figure out what new role and place do they do they play in mm-hmm. your life? Um, I'm not saying like just break up with your friends. I, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about how friendships change and evolve and like how to carry that. Yep. Um, because sometimes I think we, we hold on to toxic friendships much longer than we hold on to toxic relationships because mm-hmm. we're, we societally aren't given the script to talk about f- friendships in the same way um, that not all people are for us, that we, try we learn how to be friends by being friends with people (laughs) um and it makes me think the other day i was talking to you and um spencer um about my wedding my Mm -hmm. um and um how i was self-conscious about having uh, about having a smaller group of friends um invited Mm -hmm. than i I just felt, self. I've always felt a little self-conscious about not having a big group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the friends that I have that I, 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 now I love and I feel such genuine connection to. Um, but because I spent a lot of my twenties traveling, really committed to my, um, my career as a writer and, <clears throat> um, and because I had a lot different standards for my friends when I was younger. Mm. I haven't maintained a lot of friendships over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something I was talking to you guys about being self-conscious about is that like, I don't have that big friend group that you've had since high school or college or whatever. And um, I want to say law school gal, one of the reasons why I don't have that big friend group is because I was friends with a lot of people that I no longer feel feel like reflect who I grew to be mm-hmm. and I had to choose like do I want to be my authentic self or maintain these friendships that make me feel inauthentic that make me feel unsafe yep. um so I, I actually like friend broke up with a large part of a, a large group of who people who used to be my friends not mm-hmm. a large that sounds weird but um you know this is all to say the other day at a bar I was com- I was confessing to my two best friends that I felt self-conscious that I didn't have more friends. Um, but it, it was really because I chose to be my authentic self mm-hmm. and, and end relationships that were no longer a reflection of that person. Um, and this is a long winded kind of clunky way of saying law school gal that it sounds to me like you are just sharpening your understanding of who you are and who you what type of relationships you want to invest yourself in. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to change and grow and see how your relationships are impacted by that change and growth and see if they're sustainable at all. For sure. Um, I, 
but I know it can be hard because like you said, you're like, was I really that close to them? You know, I'm looking back on this. I'm feeling nostalgic. I, I miss that closeness. And I do too, law school girl. I miss, I miss the ease at which I could have friends back then mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't as sure of myself then. I was looking mm-hmm. more externally, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, and I want to tell you that those friendships were real, are real, that nostalgia is real. Um, and maybe you were only bonding over like getting, going out, getting drunk and dancing and whatever. That's real. But that's like, I've, I've a, had friendships like those. Yeah. For sure. But that's like a very, that's a valid thing to bond over. Absolutely. It's just a matter of like, how is this relationship going to move or evolve moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like, um, you made the effort to maintain those relationships, right. With different circumstances in front of you. So being planful about like, let's get dinner or like, let's go out together um, is sort of what you have to do when you are an adult <laughs> with mm-hmm. with lots of different uh, interests that are calling upon your time and attention, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if your friends aren't able to meet you there, then they're not able to meet you there. And um, you can't continue to give more and more of yourself when you are already spread so thin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad. It is sad. And it sounds like, I mean, Gemma sounds like a really great person, but it, for to me, it does sound like this is a, like an early twenties relationship mm-hmm. where you get really close with someone who you really like to get drunk with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm not, and then you find out like how, who they are. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I also just, one of the things that I want to sort of caution you against, um, because I think that you are really actively trying to maintain these friendships, um, which is great, but I do want to a little bit in your letter, there is, I think, an element of this assumption that because you are in a relationship, you are therefore healthier than Gemma and this roommate. Um, and it sounds like your relationship is great, right? And it sounds like maybe the the behavior you were exhibiting before was maybe not super healthy. Uh, but like, that's or, what or, your 20s is or for. Or it was healthy and, you know, like, right. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with being promiscuous. For sure. Um But I just want, I think sometimes we get into this mindset that like, oh, I'm in a relationship and therefore my work is done. Right. And therefore the people that I know that aren't in relationships that are doing the behaviors that I was doing last month are unhealthy, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Or like are bad people, or I am now so much further along in my journey than them. But the reality is, is that like your relationship status is not actually a marker of maturity. Yeah people get into relationships that are unhealthy all the time. Right. Um, and so I just want to say like, maybe reserve some judgment and, and be there for your friends on their own journey as well. Right. Like remember that six months ago, you were also doing the same things that they're doing now. So have a little bit of space in your heart to say like, yes, yeah, I can relate to this. I understand this and I'm going to be here for you when you if and when you decide that this behavior isn't working for me anymore. Right. Um, and I don't, I just think that our single friends get left behind so quickly when people Mm. get into relationships Mm. and are seen as being unhealthy or as seen as being less than because they are not in relationships. Mm. Um, I'm so glad you said that because I, I definitely wanted to hit on the point of like, Yes, we grow out of friends because mm-hmm. that's how I like that's a narrative that I really relate to. For sure. But you're right, like um I don't want to write off these people, these roommates right away. Right. You know. But it's hard I think I guess the 
one thing I want to make space for is like how that tension that you, when you feel pulled between your relationship and your friendships and your obligations and your work and your school or whatever, that's like a very real palpable tension um, that often gets villainized when it's like, oh my God, Betty has a boyfriend and she's never around at the apartment, you right. know, yep. um, <clears throat> when it, when it's always like a little bit more nuanced than that. For sure. And I guess what it comes down to then is, is boundaries. Yes. Like what are you comfortable with and what are you not comfortable with? Um, and establishing those with your friendships and saying like, you can't, you can't cross these boundaries. Yeah. But I do think that there is like, there is the possibility to extend some grace to these roommates who are clearly <laughs> bonding over things and are like, just sad that they lost their friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that it's hard when somebody is like actively feels like they're actively plotting against you. Um, but I would just say hold some grace for them while also establishing your boundaries. I totally agree. All right. Thank you so much for writing, Law School Gal. We love you. We love you. Good luck. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our second letter is from Mona Lisa, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sierra and Sam. I want to start by saying I've listened to y'all's podcast since the beginning. It's helped me through an astronomically messy breakup, depression, and all the questionable choices I made in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) One of those bad choices was me cheating on my boyfriend. We'll call him Alex. Our relationship was deteriorating, and for a couple months, I was trying to figure out what his place was in my life. We had recently become long distance and had been emotionally distant for several months at that point. He became much colder to me, especially after I reached out to him about my depression and suicidal thoughts. A few weeks before I broke up with him, my roommate introduced me to one of her friends, Jake, who just so happened to be one of the most beautiful people I have ever met. There was an undeniable mutual attraction without either of us saying anything to each other. There was just an immediate sexy electricity between us. I didn't think too much about it because I find a lot of people attractive and have the habit of developing crushes on everyone I interact with. I know I'm not the only one who does this. (laughs) Real. We hung out a few times, always in a group. I soon realized how sweet and caring Jake was and how I enjoyed being around him. One night after my friends hung out and everyone left, it was just the two of us sitting on the couch together. I couldn't help it but snuggled up to him. One thing led to another and we had sex. It's weird because in the moment I knew it was wrong. And even now I can't say anything that excuses it. Three days after cheating, I broke up with Alex. I never told him about me cheating on him because I truly felt like saying something would just transfer that emotional burden from me to him. Jake started to really pursue me after that. I told him I wanted some time after my breakup to think about everything I did and he was respectful of that. We still saw each other and definitely hooked up many times. About six months later, we started actually dating and we've now been together for four months. It's been going really well. He's supportive. He's the most thoughtful person I've ever met. And we find fun in everything we do. He's communicative, goofy, and to put it politely, he's great in the sack. I love him and I'm truly enjoying a relationship that's healthy and loving. I try not to dwell on my infidelity too much, but I do plenty of reflecting. I've been talking about it in therapy, journaling, and talked to a trusted friend. I've also talked about it to Jake, who openly talks about the mistake we made and how to prevent something like that in our own relationship. But this thought constantly looms over me that I don't deserve this relationship. I feel dirty when I think about what I did. I just don't know how to forgive myself when I did something that I never, ever thought I would do. 
I always despised the idea of a cheater and then I became one. Mm. I guess my question is, can a relationship start that starts with cheating actually work? Should it even be allowed to work? I feel like I don't deserve a good, true love after what I've done. Oh, thank you so much for writing Mona Lisa. Yeah. I love this letter. <laughs> I totally relate. Good. Um, I don't really, I don't think I've had this particular situation. I don't think. Me neither. Um, but I have had similar thoughts about, can I be a good, deserving, worthy person if I've done things that I think are bad and mm-hmm. hurtful? Um, I want to talk about a, a, a couple things in here, but I just don't want to forget to talk about a really, the really interesting sentence about the emotional burden. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Um, that she didn't tell him because she didn't want to transfer that emotional burden to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be really complicated. And I bet like half of our listeners yeah. are like, that's fucking, that's a cop out, whatever. Yeah. But and half of I, them are like, yes, thank God. <laughs> yes. And I kind of, I feel conflicted because I am more in the camp of of her her decision. I believe mm-hmm. I co-sign your decision, Mona Lisa. You did the you did the right thing by not telling him, even though the right thing is there are many different right things. Yep, you know, sure. yep. um, like if you told him that would have been the right thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's complicated and messy, and it's not my relationship. Um, so you did the right thing because it's the thing you did. <laughs> right. Period. Yes. Yep. Um, but. I also like know that there is an argument to be made that like to not tell someone because you want to spare them from the emotional burden of it. It's like, well, you're sparing yourself too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what like half of our listeners are screaming right now. (laughs) For sure. And yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that it denies them the autonomy to, Mm. to know, I guess, but. But what do you feel about it? Because I think we feel similarly. I'm guessing. I mean, I agree with you and with the writer that mm-hmm. um, that I, if it were happening to me, I would not want to know that my partner had cheated on me, right? Mm. I would just want to have the breakup happen and then be able to move forward mm. um, because I would get lost in like the details of that and not be able to figure out how because to also, move with I think it. infidelity gives us the opportunity to be like, oh my God, this breakup happened because he met this person and she seduced him and he, you know, did it. instead of saying like, our, our relationship was broken in the first place. For sure. And yep. I was an agent in that, you yep. know, like, or that he just doesn't want to be with me. Right. It's not about the other person. Exactly. You know, so it prevents, I think it, the cheating narrative and the fucking rabbit holes we can go down it often I think prevent like a deeper level of healing maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think you can make the argument either way. I and totally that's what's so, so complicated too. about I, I, these yeah. things. <laughs> it is so complicated. You're right. I just wanted to pull that out because I thought it was a very articulate, it, it was, it was an articulate way to describe something that I know people think about, mm-hmm. you know, like, do I tell that person or not? You know? Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Mona Lisa, um, (laughs) everything you're experiencing, I think is pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want to say that it's, that it's also very normal that relationships flourish out of a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And I, I was struck by 
your one of your last questions, which was, should it even should it even be allowed to work mm. our relationship built yeah. off of infidelity? I love that idea that there's some sort of like arbiter of relationships. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted like... to pull that out. Sam and I always say like the universe doesn't give a fuck. There's no justice. Um, if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. You know, if it grows, it grows. It doesn't matter what the condition of the landscape was before. Sure. Um, and and to look for to look to the world to be just to be just and to be balanced and to have like a s- system of checks and balances, mm-hmm. it's just not real. Right. We want to believe in karma, and and sometimes I do because, uh, you know, because of what I see happen to people or 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 whatever. But karma is just somebody's bad choices finally having a repercussion on them because of the act put they you know what i mean <laughs> because of the choices they made yeah yeah but it's not like some almighty god that has like a tally system that's like well your scales just tipped now right. you're gonna rot in purgatory or whatever for sure um i mean that's at least what we believe <laughs> yes anyone else can believe anything they <laughs> yes um Anyway, yeah, we think that the world is telling you have shit about us. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, it doesn't. No. Um, anyway, Mona Lisa, your relationship is something um, that is working, mm-hmm. that is special, mm-hmm. and it's not tainted Mm-mm. or inva- un- invalid because of the way it started. In fact, this might bring you and Jake to a higher level of intimacy and vulnerability than you ever had with your other boyfriend because you're able to talk about the full expansiveness of the human experience in relationship that mm-hmm. like, this is how I made this mistake. I don't want to make this mistake again. Yep. And I, I always think it's better to be loved for all of my messy, sloppy errors of humanness mm-hmm. than it is to pretend that I'm not someone who doesn't make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, and you and Jake now get to see each other fully in that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I know people who ha- are in a relationship and who are married and have children who started their relationship by cheating. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like a thing that happens. I mean, when they tell people they're getting together story, they don't talk about it, but mm-hmm. like, I know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so I think it's probably actually more common than we think that it is just because like, we don't, we don't talk about how people start relationships with cheating. Right. Right. Cause like when you get married and tell the cute story of how you met, you're not going to be like, yeah. And this person right. was in a relationship at the time. Right. <laughs> right. So I think it's probably more common than you think it is. Um, and I think that it's one of the many ways in which relationships get started. Yeah. Right. I think that, um, what would give me pause in this is if there were, if the cheating sort of became the central tenant of your relationship if it was the thing that was bringing you together and bonding you because i think that happens sometimes where it's like oh we cheated and now everyone hates us and the world's against us but at least we have each other Mm. right which is it's like a weird form of trauma bonding (laughs) yes exactly um but it sounds like you are happy you are healthy you are maintaining friendships with other people you are going through this um, in a way that is open and honest, you're talking about the cheating, but in an, in a way that's constructive around like, I don't want to do this again. How can we talk about this in a way that will prevent it from happening? Um, and I think also you have learned from this experience what the outcome of not having open and honest communication in a relationship can look like, right? Mm-hmm. 
you and your boyfriend were emotionally distanced. You weren't, you weren't talking, you weren't together. And this is one of the outcomes of that. Right. Yes. And so it seems like, so what I hope for you actually is that you are able to see the way in which dying relationships are dying. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And say like, this isn't bringing me joy anymore. Rather than hurting this person again, let me end it when I know that I'm not happy, when I know that I'm not getting out of what I want out of my relationship and try, instead of trying to find it with someone else before that relationship is over. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's going to be listeners out there who want us to talk about like ways in which Mona Lisa could handle this differently. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, breaking up. But instead of cheating with Jake, you know, da, da, da. and I don't think we're going to go into like that type of um, revisiting of the past strictly mm -hmm. because another thing that will help you heal over a mistake that you made or like something that a decision that you made that you feel regret or conflict over, not yep. a mistake. So a way to help process those types of decisions is to tell yourself, I did the best that I could in this moment with the knowledge and experience that I had at that time. Yep. And now I can do better. There's no looking back that Mona Lisa could not undo that. She, mm. There's, there's no way she could have done that better. Right. Because she cannot do that again. Right. Because it will never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yes, there are people at home screaming at their stereo, like she could have just not done it, but like, right. That what a coulda, shoulda. world doesn't exist. It's, right. It literally doesn't exist. And the only thing that, that does exist is moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and Mona Lisa, I don't think that you made a mistake. I think you made a decision. Yep. And that decision took you on this path to this new good, true love. And that's a good, true love that mm -hmm. you deserve no matter what ha you did. Absolutely. And you have the opportunity now to do things differently if you want to, right? Yes. Everything that we do allows us to learn something that can that can help us in the future when we are faced with a similar issue. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that is what you and your boyfriend are working towards, which yes. I think is fantastic and wonderful and a, a great way to handle it. And so I want to, I think Sierra and I just want to release you of mm -hmm. this guilt, right? Um, yeah, like cheating isn't great, but people cheat all the time, right? I'm trying to think of like famous, you know, famous relationships that like started out of an infidelity, but like then lasted a really long time. Um, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Uh, honestly, <laughs> the only one that I can think about right now is um, Anne Boleyn and that ended very poorly. <laughs> So uh, yeah, maybe this isn't the let's, right. Let's let's return at <laughs> yeah. a different point. Um, people cheat all the time. Relationships start out of cheating all of the time, uh, and, and that it's, is just it's like, a fact of life. Like, yeah, it's not great. It's like, not an it, unfair fact of life either. It's just like it's just a fact. Just sure. the way that like you know life is sometimes too short, mm -hmm. and sometimes people leave us when we love them, and yep. it's just another thing that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mona Lisa, That's hilarious. Sam and I love you. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. All right. Our last letter comes from Tormented Hopeless Romantic. Who's writing? <laughs> I <from> wrote in. <laughs> I knew it. Who's writing from Ontario, Canada. A big warm hello, Sam and Sierra. I am so grateful to my girlfriend for introducing me to your podcast as it's been such a great source of comfort and laughter over the last few months. Sometimes your advice touches me so much that I find myself with full-blown full tears as I walk to my job. Aww. True story. It's pretty cold in Canada right now, so those tears tend to freeze over my cheeks. It's quite the dramatic rom-com <laughs> scene. I feel you. It's very cold in Minnesota, too. 
I'm writing to you since it's the first time in my life I have not felt at peace like I normally do after a breakup, and I am completely unsettled by this. Have I made the right call? The backstory, I'm a 25-year-old cis female presently completing my master's in Ontario. After having what I hope to be the last heart-wrenching breakup of my life two years ago, I decided to invest the next chapter of my life in shaking off my Catholic guilt-ridden ass around sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) After a year and a half of exploring and realizing so many wonderful things about myself and what I would like in a partner, I felt ready to entertain the idea of getting into a new and wholesome relationship. I went back to my hometown in British Columbia over the summer. While there, I met a man and we hit it off like I don't normally do with anyone, said every girl about every man ever. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking that. We'll call him Max. There are factors at play, however. We were in good company, drinking good food on an isolated island, on vacation, etc. Jesus. Meaning who doesn't (laughs) fall in love at first sight? Being too drunk to hook up, we spoke until the sun rose, which even in my mid-twenties, I don't sacrifice my sleep for anyone. It was 48 hours of laughter bliss with a boy who lives across the country. The hour before he had to leave, we were wrapped around each other, watching the ocean in a lazy boy, terribly hungover and stinky, I might add. And I remember thinking, I've never felt more at home in someone arms, someone's arms before. And let me tell you, I've been wrapped in my, sh- my fair share of arms. <laughs> The second he left, he was texting me to tell me he had a great time and would love to continue chatting. However, he must warn me that he is not emotionally available. Oh, what? (laughs) An interesting text to receive. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never received that one before. Definitely (laughs) not. To which I responded, great. Thanks for telling me, but I have enough friends and not really what I was looking for with you. So wishing you all the best. Unfortunately. I love that text. I know, me too. That's such a good text. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. (laughs) (laughs) He initiated consistent conversations, and we started what I dare to say is was a six-month, half-ass, long-distance friendship. Sometimes he'd ghost me over the summer until September when he told me he had officially moved on from his ex, as if it was a light switch you could turn off, and that he was happy. He was ready to move on and entertain something with me. His voice was lighter, he seemed elated, and we made each other happy. I permitted myself to keep chatting, to which he told me a little more history. Before I start about his ex, I'd like to parentheses that all this is all information I received from his mouth to my ears, meaning mm. his experience being altered for me to hear. I don't know how much of it or of any of it is the truth. His ex is his first love, to which they've had a tumultuous on and off relationship since they broke up one and a one plus years ago. He she also lives in the same province as me. She's Since he's distanced himself from her, and consequently we started getting to know each other better from a distance, this was supposedly sensed by her, and so she made great efforts to regain his attention. Whether this is in the form of care packages, numerous calls, texts, and what I like to call the the nail-in-the-coffin surprise visit to where he lives. Now, flights in Canada are not like in the U.S. It's cheaper for us to go to Europe than fly halfway across across the country, so my broke ass can't make that similar move presently. Max and I had been chatting for at least four months now, FaceTiming up to two hours, one to two times a week, some weeks calling every day. I got nothing done when we were playing, quote, long distance. I was consumed and loved it, and it was so unfamiliar to me. His family and friends were ecstatic for him to see him happy again and encouraging him. We we spoke about me visiting over the Christmas holidays. However, when 
I got the text from him saying, fuck, my ex bought a ticket to see me. My heart dropped. I told him I didn't want to get involved and I prefer we didn't speak until you have things settled. He tells me he's not staying. She's not staying with him and apologized profusely. I must be, it must be so hard to have two successful intelligent beings keen to visit you (laughs) in a sarcastic tone. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I asked for space, he respected my boundaries, something to which he complained about not being respected on her part for him. After she visited, he tells me she, for a few days straight, cried to him and wishing about wishing he'd take her back and that she would move back to the province for him. For the months that followed, he could not make a concrete decision about whether he was ready to firmly close the door with her or not, leaving us both hanging, which I have said time and time again to him that wasn't fair to either of us. He called me on New Year's Eve, running back from the bar and convinced me he was coming to see me. He was going to book tickets then and there. He had it. He had to see me. We chatted for an hour or so, but I told him to wait until tomorrow because we were both drunk. The next day, he went from hot to cold, and he wasn't responding to me anymore. I was terribly saddened. I thought we were really getting somewhere. He apologized for the hot and cold and that he's losing sleep over this. He didn't. He doesn't know what to do. He knows what to expect with his ex. It's the easier choice. It's comfortable. Yet he claims to no longer be in love with her. I bless the social media gods. I haven't been able to find this girl. But I also recognize myself not for not only defending her to him when he would call her irrational and confronting him that I believe it takes two to tango in a tumultuous relationship Mm -hmm. and that he's not completely innocent. After a few days, I came to the conclusion that I had to cut everything off for my well-being to truly put an end to the six-month ordeal. Over a text, I asked Matt to know or Max to no longer contact me respectfully, not a peep sense, nothing in return. In the following days, I blocked him off all of social media. It's a month later and not a day passes where I don't think about Max. I can't seem to go on dates and not think about him. I just daydream about him showing up at my door and being like, fuck it, let's give it a go. Did I make the right call? He wasn't available, right? Did I dodge a bullet? Am I just a sucker for the storyline because, or because no one better has caught my attention? I give off the front that I'm this confident, balanced, unbreakable woman, but really I feel so very vulnerable and just want to be held and loved. I am tired of the rejection and the indifference I feel toward any potential romantic partners. I was very excited to start something with Max and it feels like things ended so prematurely. Mm. Every other chat, we would cry with laughter. We talked about having a silly amount of children, raising them in our mother tongues and living in utter chaos and constant humor. I still look at videos and pictures of him and just smile. As I write this, I'm tired of spending so much effort on a man who's dragged me into all this but maybe writing to you too is part of the healing process. Sam and Sierra, day I ask you to dare I ask you to to alleviate my burden. Have I made the right call and should I do everything I can to move on? Do I leave the door open slightly to see if he reappears or do I pack my pegs and make a grand entrance? I hope it's not the latter because a girl needs to pay rent, but I'm open to it. <laughs> <laughs> my heart swells with uh, thinking of both of you and how much you have helped me and others at this time with all my love tormented. Oh, tormented. This is a I pickle. Lo- it's a pickle. <laughs> it is a pickled vegetable, if you will. Yeah. It's a um, kimchi of sorts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So like out the gate, off the bat, off the bat. Right. What do you think? Like, do you think she made the right decision? Absolutely. I think she made the right decision. And you think she should just maintain the black, black, black. Absolutely. Tell me why. Uh, Because this man told you at the outset 
out the bat, as Sierra would say, <laughs> yeah. uh, that he was emotionally unavailable and then proved how emotionally unavailable he was for the next six months. Yeah. I mean, all of the things that he said to you are true, are true and became true. Absolutely. And also like no matter how much emotion he was able to give you, he was still unemotion- emotionally unavailable because he was also unable to give himself fully to you. Right. And even though he called you all the time and texted you all the time, he wasn't fully giving himself because he was torn between you and this other person. Yeah. And I do think about what Sam is so, um, just so smartly says is that we, other people are not responsible for maintaining our boundaries for us. Absolutely. And he wants you to maintain his boundaries. He wants you to break them, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, I, I do think that the romantic in me is like, don't buy a flight. But I think this is where I hesitate about the black rock block. It's like, it, it feels terrifyingly permanent to somebody like me who has weak boundaries. <laughs> I'm just honest to God. Like if I'm being a hundred percent transparent, like the pathetic romantic in me is like, well, what if he wants to contact her and say, I'm ready to be all yours. He did already. I and know. then he proved that he wasn't. I know. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. This is why I asked. Honestly, when you were reading it, I was like, I'm just going to have Sam start this letter off on the right tone. So I don't dig us into a hole. I can't get us out of. That's why I was like, I knew you were going to take us in the right healthy direction, not like the romantic direction that I want to go in. I get it. But like romance can also exist with healthy boundaries. You're right. You're right. And it's been going on for a long time at this point, you know, yeah. And, and the whole, the one thing that does bother me is when he's like, I'm just torn. Like she's, she's consistent and familiar and you're amazing. It's like, well, that's just put your big boy pants on, (laughs) you know, that's, Uh that's just a decision we need to make, you know, not that it's not hard and to have empathy for all parties involved. Like I'm sure the girlfriend or the ex or whatever, has her own narrative in her head where she wants this relationship to work. For sure. He has these two amazing women, just like you said, tormented, like fawning over him or, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's hard to be a human. It is. <laughs> it's hard to make decisions like this, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to decide to block someone. It's hard to decide between two people who are interested in you because that means you have to say no to one of them. Yeah. Right? And, and, the, and, and to say no um, and a black, it, it's, it's, it keeps no space for the what ifs mm-hmm. and our brains love what ifs for sure. <laughs> our yes. brains just get off on them. Yes. Cause we, our scarcity mindset kicks in mm. and we say, if I say no to this thing and pick this other thing and this thing doesn't work out, then I will have missed out on this opportunity. Right. And that's, that's not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels a hundred percent real and I like feel it just saying it, but the world is not scarce. The world has abundance, right? The things that we are taught have taught us that the world doesn't have things for us in it, doesn't have enough things for us in it, but there are people out there that you are going to have fantastic connections with right. that aren't this man that are going to be able to be emotionally available for you. Right. And even if they don't show up, you are enough in and of yourself <laughs> to be right. able to live in this world, to be able to succeed, to be able to thrive. Right. And this man doesn't complete you just as any other man is not going to complete you. I want to go to the percentage thing again, too, like thinking like, well, his 
the best thing I can do to combat my like tormented romantic self mm-hmm. is to tell me, tell myself what is real. What's real. Uh, what is real is that you have been holding out for this man to be able to give you a hundred percent. You're like, wow, part of his heart's going to this girl. He's confused. He's not giving me a hundred percent. So I'm holding out. I'm hoping that this gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, because you've black, 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 because you've said that sent the, I have plenty of friends. That's not what I'm interested in text, <laughs> which is just so fucking dope. You know that that is as hundred percent that this is, this is all like, don't over romanticize what he's giving you. For sure. Um, and I guess Sam's right. Like the romantic in me just wants things to be good, but maybe that's not the romantic in me. Maybe that's like the child of a divorced household. Um, yeah. in which as a child, I, t- I was taught that it's my job to like make things right, to complete things, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to make them worthwhile. And, um, because, you know, having someone, oh yeah, let's reclaim that narrative. <laughs> it's not romantic to be torn, yeah. you know, like I think, I think of so many rom-coms, so like, and we love to see the tormented, you mm-hmm. know, love story play out. That's not romance. You know yeah. what romance is? When somebody wants you and chooses you. Absolutely. I, I feel so lucky to be chosen by willow Mm -hmm. you know and that i choose her we choose each other every day for sure and that's what romance is Mm -hmm. romance is not saying romance is not being able to choose between you and another person right um so i i'm gonna turn in my romantic card (laughs) i'm no longer gonna i'm gonna rip it up (laughs) right and i think for me it's more romantic to have faith in the abundance of the universe Mm. than it is to pin yourself onto one person like to pin your worth onto one person like that's not it's so much more inspiring for me to to work towards that than it is to hold out for this person who will never give me what i need and you know what um tormented maybe he will one day maybe he is as good as you can imagine him to be one day maybe in 13 years he'll (laughs) send you an email and you'll get engaged (laughs) You know what? Our story is not good for our listeners. No, like I, it gives them the wrong, you know, message. But you have to wait for 13 years before you can do yes, that. Yes. It's called the Willow and Sierra purgatory, <laughs> purgatory process. Um, start it now today uh-huh. um, for, for the low price of only 1999. Sam and Sierra will black your ex for you. Uh, yeah. But I also think that your story is great for this podcast because it is about how much you and willow were able to grow separately that equipped you to be able to be together now yes absolutely and so what i was connecting that to what i was saying is like sure the black 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 is scary because he can't he can't like go back on he can't like continue to bounce between you two yep but maybe in in a year or two years he's gonna send you an email and say i fucked up i see now because Back then, I did the best that I could with the knowledge and experience I have now. But with now, with all this hindsight and knowledge and experience, mm-hmm. I can see that you are the person I'm meant to be with or something like that. Sure. But and then you can be like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I started dating the abundance of the universe and I found a fucking hot banging, you know. That's right. Uh, I love that. I love that idea. I really well, I, want him to email you in two years for you to be like, yeah, fuck yeah. you. Well, I, I say that because like even... You might be second guessing your decision. And I just want to say you made the right decision. Sam knows it. I know it um, because you 
refuse to be treated poorly. That's the right decision. If he comes back to you someday in the future, he just has to be a different person. And that means you need to give him time and space to become that person. And now you are free to date the abundant universe. That's right. To to date yourself, to find somebody who actually wants to be with you a hundred percent of the time. That's right. And it is very normal to miss someone. Even though you are making the right decision for you, doesn't mean that it's not difficult, right? And so it yeah, of course you're thinking every day about him coming Mm. to your door and knocking on it in the most beautiful romantic comedy of all time. Mm -hmm. It's totally normal for you to to be second guessing yourself and saying, did I make the right decision, right? Because this is hard. And so give yourself the permission to mourn this relationship that you had. Give yourself permission to be sad about it because even though you were the one to establish those boundaries doesn't mean that it's not difficult for you. Absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you so much for writing. We're sorry that your heart is questioning how well it protected you, but trust us, you did the right thing. You did. We We love love you. you. All right, everyone. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode, which is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to love. This week's blind date is... Okay, so it's a book that Sam mentioned a thousand years ago, (laughs) um, but it was never a blind date. He just mentioned it in passing. And when I told Sam I got engaged, he said, I'm going to, what's your address? I'm going to send you a book. And the next day, Amazon primed that bitch. Whoops. Amazon's evil. We know. (laughs) But at my doorstep, I got the book, Oh, Practical Wedding, Creative Ideas for a Beautiful, Affordable, and Stress-Free Celebration by Meg Keane. And I know our podcast is probably 98% um, single people. <laughs> we have a lot of married or coupled people. We do for sure. We do. Um, but I want to suggest this book because it is just so life altering. Let me tell you y'all, I'm sure over the next couple of months, you're going to hear me bitch at least once about wedding planning. And I love details. I love pl- planning. Um, I'm like, I have the right brain for something like wedding planning, yep. but I already hate it. <laughs> it is everything that Everybody says to be true. It's Mm -hmm. stressful. It's expensive. Um, There's a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different directions. And there's like not just family pressure, but like the pressure of what a wedding is. Mm -hmm. It's it's all a scam. The industry is a scam. (laughs) (laughs) It Um, is. Yeah. It's. And the book that Sam read when he was getting married that he said was really helpful um, and that he sent to me made Willow and I both cry because it made us so feel so relieved and seen and supported um, in this very stressful anxiety inducing process. It just, it's all about reframing a a wedding to be whatever the fuck you want it to be, to what, for it to be authentic to you and your partner and your relationship and not what we think, what Pinterest and society and our family thinks a wedding should be. Absolutely. It's like an, I honestly think of this book as like an advocate, like Mm -hmm. it's advocating for me and my partner to, to have the experience that we want, not, you know, and how, how to like, um, wade through all the pressures and, and stresses of wedding planning. Yeah. And for me reading it, before I even started planning was was, instrumental. Oh my God. It was so important because it made me rethink what I wanted to do with my wedding. I cannot, I cannot endorse this book more. Yeah. It's fantastic. And shout out to my friend, Aaron, who sent me my copy when I got engaged. So cute. (laughs) Um, okay. So again, it's called a practical wedding, um, by Meg Keen. And, um, if you are engaged, um, or getting married, I, 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 
really cannot suggest this book more. Absolutely. She also has a website too that has a lot of great information. Absolutely. All right, everyone. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can also, uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. I started reading Sierra's line. Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you are likable, lovable, and worthy. Right now, you are spending time with yourself and getting to know your own worth. Every day, you are becoming a better person with more love and more tools to give. You will choose to release hurt, regret, and negative self-talk, and you will trust that you are worthy, lovable, and loved. And if all else fails, just break up.